Hey, welcome to episode 49 of Shit We Don't Talk About, powered by Helix Interactive. My guest today is me, and the fun and supercharged topic is shame. Tune in, it gets good. Here we go. Hello. Welcome to my shame show. I have a lot of things to say today. Now, before you start thinking that I'm going to bust out some big and that's how you solve that problem kind of thing. No, it's just a bunch of musings. I'm going to ramble a little bit. And I was having shame shoulds before I hit the record button. I should put on more makeup. I should probably clean up because, you know, this is video, even though I probably won't upload it onto YouTube for a while. But, you know, the shame shoulds. They really need to just fuck straight off and join me in that. And I could also turn this whole episode into a drinking game. Like every time I say shame, you need to take a drink, which means if you do that, (laughs) you're going to be loaded like a freight train. I promise. So I was talking with my little momsy the other day about shame, just having this random conversation. And I've been really looking into that and, and CPTSD, which is complex PTSD. And I have been watching this woman on YouTube named the crappy childhood fairy. And if you're not following her, please do. I'm going to put links in the show notes. And she has a lot of great information about that. And that's my own experiences going through trauma and complex PTSD. So mom and I are talking about it and just, you know, different instances of, of shame filled incidents. And she said, She goes, what about, she goes, do you remember the phrase, your slip is showing? And I have to tell you that, like, stop me in my tracks. Now, if you're anyone, specifically a female or female presenting who was born before, let's say, 1985, you know what that's about. Like, slips were a big deal. I'm I'm sure people still wear them if you've got a dress that's a little see-through. But specifically, if someone would say that to you, like, you know, if your, your slip wasn't the right. Uh, length and it was hanging down. Like it was just horrifying. Right. And I said this to my podcast, the producer the other day, and he just, it did not even register for him. He's like, what, what does that mean? I'm like, yeah, dude, seriously. Like it was just such a, a shame filled thing to have. And then you think about the, the context too, of why you're wearing a slip, which is to, to mask that there's any kind of shape that you have at all. And, and you know, the, the idea of, let's say, being on a stage and you're backlit and somebody can see through your dress was just horrifying. So, you know, there's so many different instances. And again, I, I just love that my mom and I were dishing through all these different things that can cause you shame. And she said this amazing phrase, and that was that shame, it always the same. And she was rhyming too. So good one, Marsha Ann Morrow, my little momsy. So yes, no matter what form it presents itself in, shame can weigh the same. And, you know, of course it wouldn't be any type of conversation about shame without the the Yoda of vulnerability, who is Brene Brown. And if you don't know who she is, where the fuck have you been? (laughs) So, you know, she had this vulnerability Ted talk that went viral and, and I love hearing her talk about that. And then she followed it up with a, a TED talk about shame. And I'm going to quote some of that and, and listen, if there's any episode that you want to go to the show notes, it's this one. I have so many great links to stuff that I looked up. And as you can see, I have a fuck ton of notes because I get this one right. 
So here's a couple of Bon Mots from Brene Brown about, about shame. We desperately don't want to experience shame and we're not willing to talk about it. Yet the only way to resolve shame is to talk about it. Maybe we're afraid of topics like love and shame. Most of us like safety, certainty, and clarity. Shame and love are grounded in vulnerability and tenderness. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this one. Here she says, if you put shame in a Petri dish and it needs three ingredients to grow exponentially, it needs three ingredients, secrecy, silence, and judgment. If you put the same amount of shame in the Petri dish and, dish and douse it with empathy, it can't survive. Shame is that weird feeling that washes over us, making us feel small, flawed, and never good enough. And another funny thing, when I mentioned this podcast topic to Barbara Drew, Drew Linsalata, Drew Joseph Linsalata, my podcast producer, ladies and gentlemen. So if you want your own podcast, please go to helix-interactive.com. That's my shameless plug <laughs> for my podcast producer. But anyway, when I, I mentioned the topic, he's like, you mean like that song by Evelyn Champagne King? <laughs> it's so here we are. It's funny what comes up for people. So I, I feel like it's this unspoken epidemic and the, this it's the secret behind many forms of, of broken behavior. I have this in my notes and I really hope to God that I actually made that up and somebody else didn't say it. But I thought it was good. Yeah, shame is an unspoken epidemic, the secret behind many forms of broken behavior. Oh, not it. Yes, it. So obviously I'm going to go on and on and on and on about this, but another form of shame that especially women experience is period shame. And I, I think about that scene in the movie, Carrie, and, and guys, please don't tune out. I say this on a lot of my episodes that just you're, you're getting a, a snapshot into what our lives are with, with shame and how it, it, it comes out in these many forms. And so, you know, there's a, again, that's that scene in, in Carrie where they're the, all the women are just screaming at her, plug it up. And, and when she starts her period and, and, I almost feel like that was like some serious Lord of the flies with tampons kind of moment where women are just piling upon this poor young girl. And, you know, it, it also reminds me too, is any woman going through high school and, and moments where you, you know, you've got that sweater tied around your, around your waist just to, to make up for an accent and how, you know, horrible it is. And, and I had this, this moment of, breaking through the, the period shame. This was, this was a couple of years, years ago when I was still having them. Now I'm in that fabulous menopause. Yeah. Well, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, Pelicone, thank you very much. I'm giving them a plug has changed the game for that for me. But I remember I was, I was out with, with my ex and my cousin was with me and it's, it's a guy and we were at a little place up in the mountains. And I started my period and I, I came out and I said to the gal behind the counter, I said, Hey, does anybody have any tampons? And I said it really loudly. Now the guys weren't with me and, and, you know, little digging in the purses and brought out the tampons because I, I, I made sure to say it with some bass in my voice. I thought I'm so fucking tired of this half of the popular goddamn the population has a, a period. And why are we tiptoeing and don't even get me started on luxury tax on tampons? Anywho, ha. Huh? <laughs> um, my boyfriend at the time came back in and he, I said, ah, I started my period. And he goes, Oh, did you find a tampon? I said, yeah, I asked for one behind the counter. 
and it just was just, it's such a funny little thing, how we, how we can break these little shame spirals of it. But, you know, another, another area that goes into is motherhood shame. And yeah, I I have some fucking amazing people in my life that say the coolest shit. And one of those friends is a birth doula, D-O-U-L-A. If you're not familiar with that, that phrase. It's, it's what we should be doing instead of going for that antiseptic, going into the hospital thing all the time. Anywho, I'm going to have a whole topic on, on birth and death. So get ready for the whole series of that. But I was talking with Chris, uh, Christy about this. So Christy Dixon pride, and she described how the role of motherhood is, is just under supported and overshamed. Interesting way to describe it under supported and overshamed. And like I said, there's going to be a whole, a whole ass entire episode, several on this topic. And also if you love that phrase, Christy's brilliant brother, Corbin Knight Dixon has been on my show a couple of times and we talk about sex. I mean, talk about, you know, another topic that causes so much shame for people. I think, I think it's the, the crux of so many things that go wrong in society of just this worry about sexuality, sex, and (laughs) waxing and all the stuff that goes with it. You had to have this perfect, oh, people to get their butthole bleached. I mean, (laughs) there's just so much to it. Anywho, but I also want to talk about men and shame. And, you know, obviously for, for men, it's even more of a taboo subject. I mean, one interesting Rubik's Cube topic. And and that's my new phrase for it. Because I, I, if you know me, I talk a lot about being low grade obsessed with things. There's all types of topics that I just get low grade obsessed. And I heard this great phrase the other day on another podcast. And she said, Oh, that's a new Rubik's cube situation for me, where she's just constantly trying to turn this thing and make sense of it and think about it. But there was a, a Rubik's cube incident that happened last week. And, and it was a YouTuber named Jack Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. And you can Google that. It actually came up for me on, on Twitter, but he did this very telling video about another fellow YouTuber and her name is Sienna May. And, and trust me, I'm way too old and childless to, to even be plugged into this. But like I said, a friend of mine mentioned it on Twitter. And so he did this, this, expose video about being sexually assaulted by a female. And this was a woman who he'd been collaborating with a young woman he'd been collaborating with on YouTube and TikTok and all these type of types of things. And a friend of his had actually come out and said something about this particular incident last year. And I think he'd have, he'd been avoiding it. And, and this kid, and he's a kid, he's in his twenties. If you watch this video, it's, it's so heartfelt of him describing this whole downfall of their relationship where she kept, you know, they'd they'd be out and they'd be drinking and she'd come into his room. And it's all these things that quite frankly, that people don't believe. And then there's all the questioning of like, well, why are you saying this now? Why didn't you do anything at the time? And I can certainly see it as a man, just this dilemma this kid had. And if you watch this, you see the pain on his face and uh, of of this woman not hearing his boundaries. And it's even on video too, actually. And, and of course, everybody is going after her and she's not handling it well and, and saying that he's lying and it, it's a mess. But I, I just appreciated um, that it was an act of bravery. And of course, in this context, because 
you know, let's face it, it's a top of the food chain, young white male who's a YouTuber. It's, it's, it's particularly intriguing in the sense that I, I'm hoping that it will give more power to people speaking up and speaking out. But of course, there's there's you know, there's complexities. There's how people respond, and and timing is not always in a linear fashion when when this comes out. But I just thought that was so interesting, you know, because again, any anybody besides like your average Caucasian when they come out, it's it's dumbed down and, and diminished. And so I, but I am glad that he's speaking out because maybe it's going to give it's going to give power to people coming out and saying that behavior doesn't work. And it doesn't matter that I'm a, a, a male that's saying, you know, this, this woman's, it, and, and when you see the video that that's shown in there, just, you know, be careful when you watch it, be careful with any of this stuff, quite frankly, you never know how you're going to get triggered, but uh, it was, it's, I was glad to see him speaking up and out. So men in shame is always a tough one. And I, I remember watching when the, when it first started coming out about what was going on with the Catholic church and priests and so forth. And, you know, it's always been so well known, but I remember seeing a, a, a group of men come out and I think it was like 2020 or something. And this had to be in, I don't know, was it the nineties when they started talking about it? And I specifically remember these men sitting there and telling their story and they had to be, you know, these are like these tough East coast guys in their forties telling these tales of these, you know, repeated assaults by these men, these priests who are supposed to be the ultimate in, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like you got tapped to be, you know, an altar boy or to, to be part of the church. And this, this priest made you feel good about yourself. And then, Oh my gosh. I just remember thinking, how brave I thought they were and, and how it's not normalized. So men, I'm giving you a nod on this too. Again, with this, with this podcast, I in no way of coming up with any kind of solution. It's just my random thoughts and downloads about again, drink, shame, shame. So probably the only form of shame that I can get with is dog shaming. <laughs> I use that phrase a lot. And if you look that up, it's, it's when people do like these memes of their dogs where they're like, they'll have a picture of their dog with a sign on them that says, I, you know, I ate my brother's poop. <laughs> I, ate, I ate my baby, uh, human brother's diaper or something like that. It just random shit that that dog does get it has her back to me right now. Cause I dog shame her all the time about her teats and the fact that she needs a privacy shield because she doesn't have a tail. So it's constantly like her, her, you know, her chocolate star situation going on and her who. So in this research, and again, look at all these notes. If you're watching this, I, I went to the church of Google and, and where have I been this whole time and not knowing about Jennifer Pasteloff, Jen Pasteloff, P-A-S-T-I-L-O-F-F. Apparently she's the queen bee of calling out shame. And if, if you haven't looked her up, she has a bestseller called on being human. And if you look up her, her profile, it says she's a coach to coach to quieting your inner a-hole, <laughs> the inner a-hole. No shit. That's the loudest shame spiral voice out there is your own, your own person. And she talks a lot about shame losses and losing it and, she says that I think this is her shame is not logical. And, and this might be something I said as a reminder, shame is not logical. Actually, she's, she says that in, in this interview that I listened to. And so 
think about this too, when you're having a discussion with anyone, if we even get to the point where we're emotionally intelligent enough to start talking about it with our friends or like I was with my mom, just, just remember that something that can make you feel so incredibly badly about yourself as a shame spiral might make absolutely no sense to someone else. So on the flip side of that, if someone is talking about something that's just sending them right over the edge, my God, I think about coming back from a party and I've had something in my teeth or something in my nose and no one told me, I mean, I can play that situation over and over and over again. When I thought I said something funny and then I realized that person was just cringing, looking at the bat in my cave, which is, I love that. It was Steve on Sex in the City. And it's like, what? I got a bat in my cave? But keep that in mind. So on the reverse, don't don't shame others for the things that make them feel shameful, <laughs> right? Like just sit with it and go, I gotcha. Like, and, and just sit in empathy with it that, that may not bother you, but it could bother them. But in this interview, uh, Je- I, again, Jen, Jennifer, Pastelov, if I'm saying your names wrong, I apologize. I, I want to shame. I want to lose my shame about that. You say, I find that when we're able to bring levity into humor, bring levity into humor for things, it is so helpful, perhaps the most helpful thing, because it's so easy to take ourselves too seriously. And I, I do want to add that as, as something that we could start. I mean, I really try and add humor into everything. It's just, I remember if you listen to my podcast, you probably heard me tell the story quite a few times of, of being at a, I was, I was made this commitment to be a part of a, this networking group, not even networking. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a brainstorm group. And, and I remember they were all coming up with their big, why this is about 10 years ago when everybody was really getting into that thing. And, and so I was thinking about it and everybody's telling them theirs. And I was like, mine is live large, have fun. And I mean, that went over like I'm going to use two analogies that involve bodily functions. One is a fart in church or a turd in a punch bowl. Thank you, Mel Voss, for that, my pops. And everybody was like, like the record scratch. Like, what does that mean? It just seems so, I, I could tell it seems so unprofessional to people to say that my big why in anything I do is live large, have fun. My thinking is, my thinking still is that when I am having fun and injecting humor into things. Ugh, that's what she said, injecting humor. That's, that everything goes well. I'm, I'm inspired by people. I get excited by people. I'm, I'm, I'm a cheerleader for folks and, and for the things that I do because I'm living big and having fun while doing it. So that was a, that was a huge, a huge shame cycle. But in, in thinking of, you know, there's a slippery, you know, when injecting humor to diffuse shame, of course, there's, you can really get into self-deprecation and that is a slippery slope of you're falling into shame by putting yourself down. That is a, that is quite a balance of, of not getting into putting yourself down to make others feel comfortable or make yourself feel comfortable. <clears throat> you know, you, sometimes you can look at the cause of the shame and also go, um, okay, uh-huh. And so, and there's so much powerful in, in using that. And I was thinking about this, about another ex. This was a big reason why this person was an ex, but he was sending me these, these shitty texts and, and outlining like this litany of things that he thought was wrong with me. And I, I suspect that he, 
had some narcissistic tendencies because that was just his favorite fucking thing was to really kind of go for the jugular. And of course I would just respond and I don't know what happened to me, but it was good because I remember he was, he would just send me like this, this, the salvo, is that the word? Like this volley of shit of something. Well, you did this and this. And I remember just testing back. Uh-huh. So, and this motherfucker was hitting close to home. I have to say, and I just, after every single thing he would say, he would, I would say, uh-huh. And, and dot, dot, dot. So, and God dang, was it powerful. And I, I, I really try to do that as often as possible when somebody's really really getting, really getting to me of just sitting back and, and letting the truth be of that. And, and so what, so what if that's true? So what, if, so what if that's your impression of me? And, and I, I would say that would be maybe a takeaway if that works for you of, of just trying that kind of like, it's like in the same neighborhood as the hard stop. No, I love saying that. And some of my, my public speaking gigs is, is just, just saying, nope, period. And then that's the most painful period is to sit there and that hard stop no and not explain why you said it. So I do want to mention while I was in that researching for this episode and finding Jennifer Pasteloff, I found down this glorious, I fell down this glorious rabbit hole. And I know that sounds weird, glorious rabbit hole, but I found Mallory Erickson and that was her interview with Jennifer Pasteloff talking about shame, scarcity, and fundraising. And that's going to be in the, the show notes. But I I followed Mallory on Instagram and she reached out to me and I was dorking out. So she's coming on the show. We're going to talk about, about shame and, and shit we don't talk about, which is what goes on in the fundraising world. So anywho, I'm going to, I'm going to share a few more things with you about the, the framework of shame and guilt. But I also found this woman named, it was an article in positivepsychology.com on shame and guilt. And it said, here's, here's a quick description of, of the two. And it's that when someone feels bad about who they are as a person, because they've mistreated someone, they're experiencing shame. They feel bad about as a person, but when they feel bad about the behavior they exhibited, on the other hand, that's experiencing guilt. So I'm dig just a little bit more and then we're, I'm going to leave you with this. Zooming out, shame is particularly difficult difficult to overcome because it causes people to feel as if they're flawed at the core. And that's uh, June Tangney, T-A-N-G-N-E-Y, professor of psychology at George Mason University and the author of Shame and Guilt, Emotions and Social Behavior. With guilt, you might think I've done something bad, but I'm not a bad person. And that can actually encourage healthy change. With shame, you think I am bad. And that's like having a tainted character. I said taint. <laughs> Feels a lot harder, if not impossible to change. And so it causes people to isolate and withdraw. And so here's a few things that this Dr. Tangney, Tangney said. You can challenge your shame by asking yourself just these few questions. Was this a mistake or something I do all the time? Is this really something I should feel bad about? My constant answer would be yes. And then I'd have to correct myself. Are my current emotions about this productive? Hmm, I'd have to dig on that. How would I respond to a friend who was dealing with this? Oh, you all know that is just the best thing you can do is like talk to yourself like a friend. Cause like, and I know I've said this to people when they've really gone off on themselves. I'm like, mm, don't talk about my friend that way. <laughs> and I have to say it to myself. And a few more questions. Am I letting myself feel bad for not meeting a societal societal standard? I fucking hate societal standards that I don't even value. 
And then for me, here's <laughs> my advice is just try and laugh your ass off directly at these things that you come up with. And so, yeah, that's my random musings about shame. I would love to hear any of your thoughts, any of your situations you want to share with me, kind of like taxi cab confessions or something. So reach out to me on Twitter, on Twitter, I'm SWDTA podcast, and that's acronym for shit we don't talk about, SWDTA podcast, or Mia Voss, like the water, on the go, on Twitter, also same on Instagram. So thanks for joining me today. And I'm out of here. Bye-bye. So I wasn't kidding about checking out the show notes because I have links to all these cool things and people that I just talked about. And that is at shitwedonttalkaboutpodcast.com. And if you're feeling particularly fancy, you can become a patron. There's a patrons button there too. And if you like this episode, please do all the things. Like, subscribe. What else? Give it a heart, thumbs up. I don't know. Follow so bossy telling me to do all this stuff. Ooh, and leave a review, especially if it's a good one. If you want your very own podcast, but you don't know where to start, go to helix-interactive.com. Everybody's doing it and get yourself some. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Bye.